Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Born and raised in New Jersey, Hayne Coe is an artist who lives and works in Brooklyn, New York, in the Greenpoint neighborhood. She graduated from Dartmouth College with a dual BA in studio art and psychology and received her MFA in painting from Yale. She's a recipient of a Mid-Atlantic Arts Foundation grant and an alumni of the Artists and Marketplace program at the Bronx Museum of the Arts. Her work has received press in the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Brooklyn Rail, Huffington Post, Hyperallergic, ID, Bust Magazine, and other publications. She has also taught and or lectured at the Tyler School of Art, Dartmouth College, MICA, and the School of Visual Arts. Recent shows include Or Bust at Honey Ramka, Life Force at the Untitled Space, and currently she's in the group show Verb List at E. Tay Gallery. She also has an upcoming group show at Eddie's Room and Selena Gallery, as well as a solo show at Platform Gallery in Baltimore in 2017. Here's Hayne and I in her studio in conversation. it would be great if since as we were saying your your web presence as far as your past <laughs> is a little uh is a little you know cloudy i guess or mm-hmm. kept purposefully kept you know not too specific if you could just tell me about you like where you grew up and how you got started yeah um i grew up in northern new jersey in bergen county um just right outside the city uh you know i mean like most artists like you know i always had a talent for art um but i always had a very complicated relationship to art um you know i was really into it as a kid and then uh you know i grew up in a very um korean neighborhood um, mm-hmm. like burton county like my high school was probably about 30 percent asian well, you know a lot of asians and jews oh, like edgewater area or um no like like further further north. further yeah. north. i grew up in um norwood uh i went to high school at first i went to academy of holy angels in mm-hmm. uh demarest for a couple years and then i went to Northern Valley in Old Japan for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom signed me up for art lessons, like from fourth through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I took these after school art lessons with this Korean woman in town. She was an artist. That's cool. Local artist. Um, you know, it's just it's just a few of us. I mean, I, I was there for a few years and different kids would trickle in, but it was never more than a few people in the class. I remember like when I first started, I learned how to paint with acrylics. I was so psyched about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was nine. But the other two people in class were teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was pretty good. I could, I could keep up with them. Um, but I was also a really good student. I mean, I was very typical, like, overachieving, um, you know, child of uh, Asian immigrants. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for some reason, like, when, you know, when I entered high school, I, I decided I didn't have time for, like, art lessons anymore, which is kind of sad. I yeah. just, uh, I decided, okay, you know, like, now, you know, buckle down, get serious. And I, I studied a lot. Um, so I, I just, I just, on my own, I, I quit art lessons. So I actually didn't do any art all throughout high school. Um, I mean, maybe I did a drawing here and there. You didn't have art class? No, <laughs> no, I didn't take any, like the Catholic school I went to, uh, didn't have any art classes. Mm-hmm. Um, although I remember taking an art appreciation class. Um, but I don't know. I don't think we really made much like studio work. Um, yeah, I think maybe just like a couple of drawings. I don't, I honestly don't really remember what we did in that class, but it wasn't really much of an art class. Yeah. And then, uh, and then went into high school, um, the public high school. Uh, there, there were art classes, but I just, I just didn't take them. What were you? You were just studying. Studying, you were yeah. Subjects and. Um, and you know, my parents like always in grand mind, like, oh, you have to go to Ivy League school. Um, I remember at one point, I wanted to be a doctor, <laughs> which mm-hmm. you know it's ironic because my husband's a doctor. Yeah. But I remember like junior year of high school thinking, oh, like I want to be a doctor, like I want to be a surgeon because you know I still recognize that I like working my hands. Yeah. Um. But, you know, of course, like, that changed later on. I mean, I actually just kept changing my mind about what I wanted to do. Because I remember by senior year um, thinking, oh, you know, I want to, like, you know, because I always loved to read and write. Um, so I thought, oh, I'm going to go to school and, like, you know, be an English major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going to Dartmouth. And then by that time, I think I entered as a Spanish major because mm-hmm. I was going into languages. And just went through a lot of different changes. Like, I, you know, my first semester, um, I took an art class. I took basic drawing just for fun. I thought, oh, it would be so great to just 
be able to like make work again. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of fun doing that, but it wasn't until later on, like, I mean, pretty late in college, I think it was the end of junior spring when I decided, no, like I want to major in art, like as well as psychology. I was interested in that as well. But uh, by the end of senior year, I was trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I actually thought that I was going to be a psychologist. I thought I'm going to take time off and then then go to grad school for psychology. Because I, I didn't I didn't think of, um, you know, being an artist as, as a viable profession at mm-hmm. the time. Um, I just I wasn't exposed to art world or I mean, you know, my professors were artists, but I didn't really understand, um, you know, how they made it work. Um, in the back of your mind, too, you probably have that mantra of, like, you've got to get it, like, yeah, a, a like, sustainable job. Yeah, exactly. Like, going like, to pay bills. Or... Yeah, like a lot of, you know, artists. Um, so so I then, you know, when I graduated, I uh, moved to New York, and um, I played music, too. So mm-hmm. I was actually more into music than art. Cause I, you know, I told you before. Yeah, you were in I, bands in college? Yeah, I played, a couple, I played in a couple bands. I fronted this one band, Speedy Vulva. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Riot Girl band. So we played a few shows in New York. Um, my what first kind of music here. was it? Uh, Riot Girl. Oh. Riot Girl Punk. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, we played at Coney Island High before mm-hmm. it shut down and Brownies. Um, a couple little venues. Like there was this little venue called Orange Bear down mm-hmm. by Wall Street. So I was actually pretty serious about my band at the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we you know we never got big. Um, although I did go to La Tigra's first show. That I remember that was in Dumbo in '99. Uh, their very first show. Yeah, their very first show was awesome. So and you were a Sleater Kinney fan, like a yeah, kind of... Bratmobile, Bikini Kill, like all those bands. And uh, I finally like met Kathleen Hanna in person because we had actually been um, pen pals for a while. Like I sent mm-hmm. her a Speed Volvo tape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you know our first year in New York, and she liked it. She actually wrote back to me, told me how much she liked the tape. She made a speedy wall sticker, which I still have. Whoa. So I, I met her, you know, after the show. I said, hey, I just want to introduce myself. She's like, oh. She's like, oh, are you guys, like, you know, ready to play out? Because I didn't think we had just started playing out. Um, and, oh, she asked if we, uh, we wanted to go on tour with them. <laughs> but which it, I'm sure you were pretty excited yeah, about. Yeah, but, uh, but it didn't happen because, like, afterwards, like, I followed up. I emailed and said, hey, like, we would love to. Um, but, you know, she didn't get back to me. But then when she did, like, she just sent me her tour schedule, mm-hmm. and I wrote a note saying, I'm really sorry, like, we couldn't pick the opening bands. And, um, I mean, that, you know, that was, I think what happened then, you know, we were still playing for another year or so, and then uh, my husband was in my band, so he was a drummer. Oh, really? Yeah, and then, um, and then Wait, he where went, did you meet? Oh, at, oh, at Dartmouth. At Dartmouth. Yeah, yeah, we, um, we've known each other for a long time. Um, yeah, we met, like, freshman year at Dartmouth, but we were friends, like, all throughout college, and then... We moved to New York together as roommates, and then a few months into our you know, our living situation, um, you know, we started dating, and uh, yeah, so he was he was a drummer of my band, and then um, in two thousand he left for med school. So, that, Wait, so that was... he's he's a cardiologist drummer <laughs> yeah. who was in a punk band. Yeah, yeah, That's pretty great. I mean, he's not drumming much anymore. Um, well, he's busy. Yeah, yeah, he's busy, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we don't even have a drum set anymore. But uh, yeah, no, he le- he left for med school and. And, you know, and then I just got more into art. Um, so, yeah, so what was happening during time is I was really into music, and I was also uh, DJing as well. I used to DJ uh, techno, and then later on, I was into the whole, like, um, you know, Electro Clash scene, yeah. um, early 2000s. And then, um, but, you know, I, I took a break from art for about a year and a half after mm-hmm. I graduated from college, and I think I was kind of testing myself to see if I really want to do it. Um, and I had a lot of different kinds of jobs, too. Like, I was temping for a while, because I, I actually wasn't taking my job situation seriously, because I thought, I want to be creative, I thought, I want to play music. So I was just uh, temping. Pay the bills kind of game. Yeah, um, you know, I was, like, temping at different fashion companies mm-hmm. um, who really liked me, and they were offering me full-time jobs, too, like, doing production, but I just said, no, I, you know, I just... I don't, you know, I don't want a full-time job. I just want to, like, you know, be free. Um, and then I, eventually I, I actually um, got into web design. So that mm-hmm. um, supported me for a few years. But Did you teach yourself that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, my husband actually got a job at um, at a startup. It was a field service software company, mm-hmm. which used to be a web design company, like web and graphic design company. So, yeah, he got that job right away when we moved to New York. And then I didn't, I didn't know anything about computers. I mean, besides just you know, word processing and email and stuff. So I yeah. decided, like, I think I really need to learn graphic programs. So I just taught myself Photoshop, Adobe Go Live, Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, but but his boss was nice enough to let me use the computers and programs there. So I would, I would go there after work, teach myself all these programs, and then eventually he offered me a job there. Yeah. Um, so while, he, you know, he was transitioning from a design to a field service software company, 
um, you know, I was actually handling his previous like web design clients. Yeah. And then that was like during the, the internet boom. So, you know, that was, was 99. Busy. Yeah, yeah, I know. And you could actually get paid really well. Like, yeah. the, the jobs were like a dime a dozen, you know, right. like back then. Like, yeah, you got paid pretty well. I, I had that full-time job for a year. And then after that, um, I just freelanced. I had my own web, web design business for a few years after that. Um, but, you know, but during that time, um, you know, art was always in the back of my mind. And, you know, and I did take that break for a year and a half after college and yeah. you know I just reached a point when I realized no I can't live without making art um and I would I would think about it I would sometimes do drawings like drawings in the subway and then um ideas for painting started coming to me mm-hmm. so so I just you know I just started painting again and then and then I realized oh you know I I need to do this yeah. um like if I don't make art you know I, I realized like the reason I've been feeling crazy for the past year and a half is that I haven't been making art you need that release. Yeah, were you though, making music too, though? Or yeah. Oh, do all the while playing music. Yeah, yeah, I was playing music. Yeah. So you had that release. Yeah, I had that release. Um, but but I, you know, still, I just felt like I was like miss, missing yeah. the experience of making visual art. Um, so when I started painting again, um, I, then I decided this this is it. You know, this is what I want to be my main profession, and I decided I'll apply to grad school. But at that point. Um, you know, when the deadline was coming up, I had been painting just for a few months. I thought, you know, I really need another year to develop mm-hmm. my portfolio. Um, so yeah, so I just, I just painted for the next year and then, then I applied grad school, um, you know, feeling unconfident and, um, what yeah. was your, what were your paintings like at that time? Oh, they were really weird. They were like, um, they were small paintings because, uh, the space we had in our bedside apartment, mm-hmm. um, I think it, it was supposed to be a bathroom. So it was like a like a half finished bathroom so it was like a, a tiny room with a sink mm-hmm. so I used it as my studio it was maybe about two feet wide and three feet long so I painted <laughs> there so my paintings were about you know a square foot yeah and I did these really weird they were kind of like folky looking paintings of um it was like basically like self-portraits of me as an animal and then you know my husband and remember so it was like my husband and I as animals like it would be like cats hugging but <laughs> like my and my husband's faces um, where did that come from? I don't like know. where, where? So, <laughs> where is your visual stimuli coming from? Like growing up, or it's like that stuff is just like so like internal for me. Um, but you had to have. I mean, that's pretty. Um, I don't know. That's specific in a sense that like there's yeah. these animals with faces on it, or they're mm-hmm. you're kind of anthropomorphizing. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think I was continuing with the kind of work I was doing in college. Like by senior year, um, I remember. Like I feel like a big breakthrough for me was like during my senior seminar because up until then like my paintings were pretty academic you know mm-hmm. I was like doing self-portraits landscapes and then by senior I had to like figure out like what like what is my thing and um and I remember doing this very big ambitious painting of like a couple of figures like having sex and they had all these like abstract and figurative elements and um you know I didn't I didn't have a very good crit <laughs> I mean I just remember <laughs> My professor and soon saying, oh, there's just way too much going on in this painting, which, you know, I realized in retrospect they were right, but like, I just felt bombed off of that because I was trying to make this big, ambitious painting. Yeah, and just, they didn't want it. They were like, this is too much. Yeah, and I was just trying to show all my skills. So then afterwards, I thought, I thought, fuck it, like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And um, just as a joke, at the time, I thought of it as a joke. Um, I decided to do, like, little paintings, mm-hmm. you know, like the ones I was doing later on, on basically like, self-portraits. They're really funny and dark, which I feel like relates to my aesthetic now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be like portraits of like, you know, me like as a doll, like holding a bloody knife, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> um, you know, just just yeah, very like weird like emotional paintings. Um, so yeah, so like later on, um, when I got back to making art, you know, there's they, they were still tiny paintings, but I just just got really into animals. I think. I think we had a cat at the time, or we got a cat later on. So, uh-huh. like, you know, she entered her work, and then we got another cat. So, well, <laughs> so what, were, what were you looking at when you were younger as far as, like, artistic influence? I mean, were you watching cartoons or comics, or yeah, was I it mean, going to museums? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, I think my sources are so, like, um, democratic. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as ours go, like, so many different... Com- I mean, I, I remember, like, being into a lot of, like, pop, like, like Andy Warhol. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like Lichtenstein, or mm-hmm. I mean, that's what was popular at the time, right. like in the eighties. Um, especially Warhol, I feel like he yeah. influenced me. Um, but then I also really like artists like Frida Kahlo. I feel like that definitely influenced that work. Um, 
who else? Um, weird artists like Magritte, you know, because I just mm-hmm. like surrealism. But then, um, but I was also really influenced by by shows like Pee Wee's Playhouse. I feel like that's been coming up yeah. a lot lately, like that kind of aesthetic. Um, fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was young, I wanted to be a fashion designer. My mom subscribed Vogue, so I'd always like look at Vogue and. You know, there are designers like Jean-Paul Gaultier, um, just like how he's just like so out there. Um, So I feel like, and I feel like a lot of artists can talk about like, like certain artists that they were really into. And, you know, and and in college, like I had my, you know, my heroes too, or like my heroines. Like I love people like Eva Hesse, Louis Bourgeois. Um, But for me, I I felt like they were on the, you know, same like plane as, um, you know, just these other, like, visual sources, like, you know, just, like, on TV and fashion or, or you know, music. I, like, I was always into music mm-hmm. since I was a kid. There's so, a lot of art with music, like the cover art or zines or things like I would imagine that you might have been into that, judging yeah, by the music yeah. that you were into. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of visual subculture of that kind of music. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't remember any specific, like, zines or, like, um, you know, visual images zines that influence me, but, um, I mean, I think I just always like that attitude, you know, yeah, it's like, like in this, it, DIY attitude yeah. or, um, or just like with like Riot Girl music, just that like emotional release into music. Cause it's I feel, raw, you know, right? There's like a raw emotive yeah, quality Yeah, exactly. To it. Yeah. So I feel like that definitely plays into the kind of work that I make. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, not to dig too deep into that, I'm just curious, you know, it's, it's such a specific quirky very interesting like um subject matter you Mm -hmm. know and to it's it's like there's so much i think comes out of the unconscious Mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of things i think that we grow up with that you're subjected to that you don't realize until later on it just kind of comes out like speaking about warhol Mm -hmm. you know i grew up in pittsburgh and that was warhol was all over like you saw it all the time but you Mm -hmm. didn't think about it It was just you knew that was andy warhol Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until i was like in school for a long time and started to realize why pop resonated with me or why Mm -hmm. I just felt like comfortable with that imagery yeah you know things that weren't maybe quite so expressive and Mm -hmm. were a little more cartoony and plus I grew up watching like Bugs Bunny and all that stuff like Warner Brothers cartoons (laughs) and I loved that aesthetic like those landscapes were Mm -hmm. just I don't know it was like an escape for me Mm -hmm. so it came back later on you know in in my work yeah and you you feel like you you just take that stuff for granted because you grew up with it Mm -hmm. but then I realized now like yeah, I mean, Pee Wee's Playhouse plays into my work. Yeah. Or, um, like yeah, Tim remember Burton. how weird that stuff, yeah. like, and great it was? <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I, I love Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, I mean, I just remember having this fantasy of, like, oh, I wish, like, my room, like, you know, looked like looked you like said. That. Yeah. yeah, and I just remember just all the puppets and, and Cherry mm-hmm. um, or, like, or Beetlejuice, you know, just, yeah. like, movies like that really influenced They really me. have a big impact, don't they? Yeah. And you yeah, don't realize definitely. until later, it's like, wow, that stuff is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have kids, too, you think about that. You're like, oh, yeah. I wonder what it is that, you know, that really is going to impact them, mm-hmm. you know. But um, so you were talking about making that work for grad schools or, like, applying, like, you felt strong yeah, about Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was really out of it at the time. I mean, when I went to grad school, I was so green because I wasn't very connected to the art world. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really go to show. I mean, I went to museums every once in a while, but um, I didn't go to galleries very often. You know, But you were here. So yeah, I was, I was, yeah, yeah, I was here, but um, just doing my own thing and, and just much more into music. I mean, going to music shows. shows. Yeah. Member shows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. They used to happen? Like, there used to be venues for shows? Yeah, I know. I mean, back then, yeah, I would see a lot of bands at Brownies or um, The Cooler. Yeah, The Cooler was Oh, great. yeah, The Cooler was awesome. Yeah, our yeah. band played there at The Cooler. Who did? Uh, the band that I was in played oh, really? at The Cooler. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. That was one of our... Yeah, in a knitting factory back when it was in Tribeca. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a great place. Yeah, those were great venues. And Tonic. Do you remember Tonic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, just, they're not oh, there. And uh, I don't know if you remember, there was Back Tune as well. That was like next to oh, a yeah, yeah. dance venue. So yeah. I, I used to go dancing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember at the cool, I saw a lot of great bands. Like I saw um, Cold Cold Hearts uh-huh. and uh, Sleater Kinney. Oh, yeah. I saw them there. Yeah, just they, they blew me away. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I was more into back then. I love, too, that you were, like, you had this duality of the punk. Well, I don't know if yeah. it's punk, but, you know, Riot Girl. Riot Girl's punk. Yeah, right? yeah. And then electronic stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> I feel like um, I've always had that because I think about, um, like, when I, when I was a kid, um, like, you know, like, 
especially like in junior high, like I was really into like heavy metal and uh-huh. like hair bands. Like I was obsessed with Guns N' Roses, but at the same time I loved Paul Abdul and Rob Bass. Yeah. <laughs> like I would always go nuts to the dances. So mm-hmm. I so I've always had that do I've always like appreciated both. Yeah. I remember being, when I was young, I was really into, because a lot of my friends were into, like, alternative. Mm-hmm. So we were really into the Smiths and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, like a New Order and things like that. Yeah, alt-rock. But then I loved, like, rap music. Yeah. But I had to kind of hide that, because that wasn't mm-hmm. cool, or I felt awkward. Like, yeah. It was weird. It was yeah. like, I realized that maybe, like, I think that that was a point in my life where I realized you just got to like what you like and not yeah, worry exactly. about. Yeah, exactly. But I was, you know, listening to... And skateboarding to the Smiths by day, and then at night it was Public Enemy. Yeah, you yeah, know? <laughs> which which totally makes sense to me. It does. Um, yeah, because like, everyone was doing that. Or I, I remember like feeling ashamed about certain kinds of music that I liked. Um, like I remember like in high school, I don't know, buying this tape by Patra. She's uh, like a reggae dancehall artist. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, I was a little embarrassed I was into it, but then I realized like. You know, you know, and then, you know, when I was 18 is when I started DJing and mm-hmm. I was like very serious about techno. But then there was a part of me that that really liked like booty bass, yeah. you know, and then I just found myself buying more and more of those <laughs> records and being a little but then eventually just embracing it. I thought, hey, like, I like this music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You get to an age where it's, you know, you just feel like comfortable yeah. liking what you like. But yeah, I remember liking reggae and people being like, man, that's not like. I don't even know what they said about it, but it just seemed mm-hmm. like they thought it wasn't cool to like reggae. Yeah. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when I started DJing, I, I, you start to understand the value. Because mm-hmm. they think, it, you know, it's just reggae, but it's political music. It's very, yeah. you know, this comes from like this very specific place and the struggle and relationship to religion. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so rich with culture. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny when you're younger, like people can just like kind of dismiss that yeah but totally. it's it's so valuable and then as you get older you just love the backstory or at least for me i mm-hmm. i love understanding you know the the evolution of just like electronic music from going from like techno to mm-hmm. sort of minimal to the house and oh, totally. you know because it's i mean it's all interrelated and you know when you're young um you know i mean you really want like everyone's approval or if you get involved in the subculture like at first you're so happy because you find like other weirdos like you yeah. and you have this community but then but I think eventually you realize how restrictive it is because, like, there's a dress code or you're right. supposed to listen to certain kinds of music. And then, you know, eventually, like, you, you grow out of that, too. Yeah. Um, you realize it's just as fratty, you know, <laughs> to have to be that, yeah. to have to have your keys on your belt and, yeah. you know, your floods. Exactly. And, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. just, like, just as much of a click. Yeah. I used certain... to have, like, those big, like, wallet chains. Yep. <laughs> and, like, big pants, big raver pants. Doc Martens or... Yeah, I, I wore Doc Martens, but when I was like going through my raver phase, um, it was like big, like baggy Jenko jeans, oh, like yeah. huge T-shirts, and oh, I mean geez. that was just like the code of dress. Yeah, but that, the... yeah, but that's also how like you identify other people in a subculture too. So when you're young and you dress like that, and you see other people, you're just like, oh, there's another raver, and yeah. then you know you can identify each other and connect that way. But it's yeah. just problematic when you know it becomes this like limitation. Yeah, at the risk of sounding like an old person, do they still have raves? I think so. I mean, now, uh, <laughs> no, it's funny because I actually, um, I wrote a proposal um, for the Sculpture Center and it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was actually about raves. It was like trying to relate my work to raves and wanting to play this old song by uh, Josh Wink mm-hmm. um, called like Don't Laugh. And yeah, I was like, re- I was researching. I'm like, oh, like, um, are there still raves? And uh, yeah, no, now like, they, you know, it's like EDM, Electronic Dance Music right. Festival. So, so they're, they're different. They're Is that like, like Skrillex type stuff? I guess so. Um, I mean, I guess he, he's someone who would perform at one of those festivals. Yeah. But but now I think they're just really huge and commercial. I mean, I haven't been to one, so I don't know. Yeah, I haven't like. gone to it. I mean, I just sort of did, the, I think, the first Lollapalooza. And that yeah. was my first and last taste of, like, festivals. I wasn't yeah. a big festival fan. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like the I'm idea either. of being trapped somewhere with a lot of people. Oh, God. Like, if I go see a show, it's bad enough that I'm mm-hmm. in there with, like, 200 people and the door's closed and mm-hmm. I feel like, you know. Yeah. But I don't want to be in a festival with, like, a gazillion people. Oh, I know. And it's, like, the weather's crazy, you know. It's I mean, just, now I just don't have the energy, but, I mean, there are just so many music festivals now. I know, the Bonnaroo's and Burning Man's and all that. I've never <laughs> been to any of those, but it just seems yeah. like they have a lot of festivals well, mm-hmm. south by southwest seems like a really good one yeah yeah um i mean yeah, you know that seems more like laid back than some of those festivals yeah. do um, yeah. i mean you can just like pick and choose what you want to see right yeah cmj used to be good like that you yeah. could go see some really great bands um, okay before we get too <laughs> off so i want to go back to your art okay so you went to grad school uh-huh and then so you just went up to new haven for two years and yep. you came back down mm-hmm. 
And then, uh, yeah, actually, um, I spent a year in Philly because uh, my husband was finishing up med school there. So he was uh, in his last year of med school. Uh, yeah, it was great. I wasn't there for that long. I mean, I was there like for eight months, so not even a year. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it was good. I mean, you know, I guess the question was like, do I move to New York and then have him join me a year later? Or, you know, do I just move to Philly and then mm-hmm. we move back to New York together? So we decided that made more sense. Um, so yeah, I just took a break there and, you know, got to know the art scene there a little bit. Um, but coming from New York, it just it felt so small to me. Yeah. Um, but I love Philly. Philly is just such a cute city. I love the architecture there. Um, and then, yeah, and then we just moved back to New York. And you lived in Brooklyn? Uh, no, we actually lived um, on the Upper East Side for a while mm-hmm. because uh, my husband was doing his residency at uh, New York Presbyterian mm-hmm. uh, Wild Cornell. So we actually had subsidized housing on the Upper East Side, just across the street from the hospital. So we lived there for a while. <laughs> I really kind of hated it. Um, but, you know, the rent was cheap. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we had to do at the time. So we didn't move back to Brooklyn until, um, you know, he got a full-time job. So that was about four, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we, so then we moved to Greenpoint. And, um, yeah, it's so crazy to think that, you know, uh, just moving back to Brooklyn, like, ten years later, like, just how much it's changed. Because we lived in Bed-Stuy before. So yeah. I lived in Bed-Stuy until um, I left for grad school. So that was from, like, 99 until... 2002 and it, it was way different yeah it was pretty scary about yeah it. i mean i heard like gunshots on a regular basis and um yeah i just remember like experiencing the aftermath of drive-by shooting like in the middle of the afternoon i just heard yeah. gunshots and like i went outside and everyone's outside and yeah this guy just got shot in a stoop so it was it was pretty nuts yeah then. now it's the noise from the condos going up. yeah i know it's like you forget that um brooklyn used to be unsafe yeah yeah, it's, it's, it changes quick. Yeah. I imagine you go away to school like that or go away for a few years and you come back. It's like I go away for a month in the summer and I come back and there's like, now it's like 18 new coffee shops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so many, so many coffee shops. Yeah. It's like, like, especially in this neighborhood, there's like another coffee shop or bar yeah. or restaurant. <laughs> yeah, well, we need, you know, we need all that caffeine energy to get through all these <laughs> yeah. very busy days. We're mm-hmm. just doing a million things. So what about your studio? So you were on the Upper East Side for a little while, but did you start, did yeah. you have an external studio right yeah, away? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I was in Long Island City. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in that building across here from PS1. Um, oh, remember, yeah, 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 Five Points. Building. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was there for a few years. Um, had a really great deal because I had a huge studio um, for really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know how um, there was an accident that happened yeah. there? Yeah, so that was actually my studio neighbor. She was right oh, next geez. door to me who fell on the fire escape. And, yeah. th- and thank God like she survived. But it's so crazy because, I mean, she was there like every day. And, um, you know, the, the fire escape, um, I mean, it, it seemed like really sturdy. It was made out of concrete. Yeah. I actually wasn't there the day it happened. But, I mean, you know, we were on the fourth floor. She just walked outside. It just collapsed beneath yeah. her feet. And she was covered. I remember that this, this story. Yeah, so it turned out the building um, was illegal. Like, it wasn't um, commercially zoned. Right. So, so Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why it was so cheap. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, so, I, you know, I got kicked out of that building. Um, so then I moved to another um, studio in Long Island City. Mm-hmm. And that was by the Queensboro Bridge. And then, um, yeah, and then I moved here about four years ago like mm-hmm. one you know once we moved to Greenpoint um you know I, I was so close enough along and say I would bike there but I thought oh maybe I can find a studio close to me because I mean I live a block away and there were just a bunch of studio buildings just you know within a five block yeah. radius so I, I actually like when I started looking I just I found a space like right away so I decided oh, nice. you know I'll take it yeah so it's been super convenient for me so as far as the work's concerned I mean you went to school for painting mm-hmm not to draw the dividing line here, but, you know, we're surrounded by sculpture. Yeah. What happened? Um, yeah, no, it's it's been a um, crazy transition. I mean, I actually think that losing my studio um, played a big role in that because, you know, when I left Yale, I was making big paintings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think like a lot of Yaleys, right? Yeah, like, right. You yeah. Just, you have a big studio, so then you end up making big, like the last painting I made there was like 8 by 20 feet. So Whoa. that was like... That's big, big. Yeah, the exact like length of my studio. So I came here committed to making big paintings and I had the space to do so um which in a lot of ways is just kind of stupid but <laughs> yeah. I don't know I mean you just do these things because you feel like you need to but when I lost my studio um you know I, I realized I had such a good deal when I was looking at a space I'm like oh my god like everything else is like so expensive yeah. so I ended up moving to a space like half the size of my previous studio and I thought oh my god I can't make big paintings anymore what am I going to do like I, I don't know how to make anything for big paintings it's funny because I start off like working so small. small in the beginning you get used to what you're doing yeah, yeah yeah um but that was really good for me because I was around I think 2009 mm-hmm. 
so because I couldn't make big paintings, then I actually just started doing a lot of drawings. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't really have much of a drawing practice before then. Um, but yeah, actually, at the time, I remember I was making small paintings. I decided at the time I was going to make paintings of Muppets. <laughs> they were really, you know, I guess my plan was to make these like psychological portraits of Muppets. And then I would always do these um, like charcoal preparatory drawings just to like sketch it out and figure out what size to stretch a canvas. And then, um, yeah, I had a friend over, um, Andrzej Zielinski, like he was uh, in my class at Yale. And he, you know, I had a really good visit with him because he was like looking at the paintings I started and looking at my drawings. He's like, you know, like, you know, when you paint, like you tighten up, you get so rigid and controlled. But like when you draw, like you're so much more free, like, you know, there's like something being channeled through you. So I really thought about that. And like, that's something that had come up at Yale too. Um, but you know, I mean, I, you know, people were very supportive of my paintings. So I feel like I never really thought that much about it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't know, I just never took my, took my drawings very seriously. I mean, a lot of times I would just, like, throw them out afterwards. Um, but for some reason, I just really, you know, Andre's comment really stuck with me. So I just started making lots and lots of drawings, and I feel like that just opened me up. Because I think even when I was at Yale, I felt like I was kind of a wannabe sculptor, or I wanted to experiment more, but... I felt kind of pent in. I mean, especially yeah. by second year, you just start thinking about your thesis show. Right. Or you feel like you have a thing and you feel like you need to refine it and make it bulletproof. Um, but I think that drawing gave me a lot of freedom. And then, um, you know, then I, I started painting again, but I was painting differently. I was making these um, very, like, um, watery, like, stained, like, black and white abstract paintings of like the cosmos mm -hmm. <laughs> you know just and then I started like burning canvas like burning dots on canvas um so yeah so I was kind of experimenting wildly when when one day yeah it was in 2011 um I was doing the residency at the Bronx uh, Museum of Art mm -hmm. um the Arts and Marketplace residency yeah. and it was during that time so I remember I applied to it with paintings but halfway through I started making sculptures just because I felt like it and it was a very organic process because I remember at the time thinking oh, I feel like sewing. I don't know why, but I feel like doing this. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to do it and not think about how it's going to end up. So I just started taking strips of canvas and just ripping them and then sewing them back together. Mm -hmm. So at first, um, yeah, I guess they were kind of like sketches for sculptures. And, I, you know, I would just do it on the subway. And then eventually I decided, oh, you know, I want to actually make stuffed painting. So I started making like these eyeballs. Um, they were all like wall sculptures of eyes like made out of canvas. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what started. And, and in the beginning, I just thought of them as stuffed paintings because they're made of canvas, they hung on the wall, and they were painted with acrylic. Yeah. But then, um, but then from there, I just got interested in other materials, um, you know, like like wax and glass. Um, you know, there's a period of time when my work was kind of spiky. I would add like nails or porcupine quills, mm -hmm. and and just yeah, over the years, just I mean, just in the past few years, then I just started getting interested in plaster and hydrocal. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in love with materials now. I feel like that's what keeps me interested in making work, just, like, discovering a new material and um, figuring out how to use it. And then, you know, my work also moved away from the wall onto the floor. So I thought, mm -hmm. okay, now that I'm making floor sculptures, I think I can start calling myself a sculptor because for the longest time I would right. say, well, I'm kind of making sculptures, but, you know, I'm really like a painter who makes sculptures. Um, but I think, you know, now I think I'm definitely a sculptor, but kind of a painterly sculptor. Um, but, you know, but now, like, you know, since making, you know, moving to the floor, like, I've moved back to the wall again. So I kind of, I go back and forth between the wall and the floor. Yeah. And do they still, do you mainly use canvas as a starting point for a lot of them? Um, not so much now. Um, I mean, I use canvas to figure out patterns so you like can see a couple of pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I just, I draw it. So drawing is, like, still a very integral part of my practice. Mm -hmm. And then um, cut it out and then stuff it so then I figure out the size of the sculptures. Mm -hmm. And I figure out if it's the right shape, and then and then I take the pattern and um, you know I, I cut it out out of uh, you know spandex or vinyl. So I've moved on to like other materials as well. So so now I don't um, I don't really use canvas as a final material for my sculptures. Yeah, it's a, it's a starting point. Yeah, yeah. And but it's drawing really, right? It is, yeah, totally. Drawing in space. And I and I, I love I love drawing the patterns too. It's just mm -hmm. um. You know, that's just that, that free-flowing line and just using my whole arm because they're pretty big. Yeah. Uh, I just, it, it feels really nice to me. Yeah. Did the earlier paintings that I've never seen before, <laughs> were the, was the iconography on them similar to the sculptures that you're doing? Or was it more like you were saying, more like people or animals? Or... Yeah, um, they, were, they were narrative paintings. Um, by the time I graduated from Yale, 
uh, like my thesis show was all these large paintings of actually cat. I paint a lot of cats, uh-huh. <laughs> so it was like cats destroying holiday scenes. So they're pretty funny and dark paintings and and really weird, um, kind of kitschy. <laughs> but they were. So they're pretty specific in that narrative. Yeah. Is it freeing in a way to? Because it seems like these are more a combination of kind of like this image of something we can like, whether it's an mm-hmm. eye or a star. Or, there's there's an anthropomorphic aspect to them. Yeah. But because the, and they're scaled to our scale in a way, mm-hmm. you know. But they're not narrative necessary. Well, maybe if you put them together, they start to mm-hmm. tell a narrative. Yeah. Like an abstract narrative of these characters, but. Mm-hmm. Is it freeing in the sense that you're not making a pictorial narrative necessarily? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I enjoyed making my paintings at the time, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I definitely feel more free now. I mean, because I feel like you know, now, like I'm, I'm just choosing any materials I feel like working with, and um, like leaving the narrative more open. Um, and you know, and, the, and I tend to move between like abstract and more representational in my work. I mean, especially lately, I've been going in a more representational direction, mm-hmm. um, just because you know. Some of the pieces are recognizable as like eyes or lips, or I started making these small sculptures behind you. So now, um, you know, those are much more recognizable objects. Yeah. You know, just because I felt like doing it. Yeah. And what, like, what's your sort of, um, like, how do you feel about the craft aspect of your work, or like mm-hmm. the material referencing certain, maybe genres or feelings or times? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whether it's spandex or glitter or. Yeah, you know, I mean, and taste. I, what do yeah, you think about like, taste? I mean, there are so many references. Um, there's definitely a combination of like high and low, and um, I mean, I feel like it. You know, brings up. You know, I mean, I feel like my taste is like can span from things that like thirteen year old girls like to like drag queens, mm-hmm. and I feel like also you know relates my past like raver or club culture. Um, I feel like the aesthetics of like my kids' toys and clothes like have been playing heavily in my work lately. Yeah. So it's like a lot of bright colors, mm-hmm. glitter. Um, so yeah, there's like there's such a wide range. Yeah, and yeah, and the craft. I mean, definitely references like fashion or like furniture. Like some of these things are like big enough, you know, to sit on. Yeah, they definitely have. I was thinking of that with these larger yeah. floor sculptures <laughs> that they they have, even though they obviously are sculptures and they look different. They have that bean bag, like you want to sit in it quality yeah. of like something something squishy that's on the floor that's big enough to mm-hmm. like sit on. Like they have that relationship too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, furniture design like plays into my work. Yeah. And what do you do you listen to music when you're working? Um, you know, I was listening to the podcast you did with Mia Calandra and uh-huh. you guys are talking about the weirdos who like don't listen to music. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm you're a silent weirdo. Weirdos, but the thing is I listen to a little bit. Like when I'm in my studio, I listen to a little bit of NPR, just mm-hmm. people news and you know, I listen to a little bit of music, but I actually the majority of time is spent in silence. Um I, yeah, I really enjoy it now. I, I didn't used to. <laughs> I just like patently insulted like half the listening audience. <laughs> it's okay. Those no, people I, don't listen to music when they work. They're really weird. No. Yeah, no, I totally understand because I used to have to listen to music. Like I remember in grad school, just like playing album after album, yeah. like not being comfortable with science. But I think, you know, when I was talking about um, before, you know, you start podcasts, um, I got into meditation maybe about like 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And I had a regular practice back then, not so much now, uh, although I, I try to find ways to meditate in my studio. I think yeah. one is just like working in silence, and it's one of those things, like I remember when I first did it, like, you know, like, just being alone with your thoughts, it's so discomforting, yeah. but um, but now, like, yeah, I just like, I enjoy silence. I, I think also because I have kids now, too, so oh, like, yeah. you like really have like silence sweet in the silence. home. silence. <laughs> yeah, and so I think... It's one of those things that um, I've just gotten used to, just being alone with my thoughts. And I feel like I get a lot of, like, good thinking done when yeah. I work in science, and I can really concentrate. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I feel like people who just don't listen to music at all are weird. Yeah. Yeah, because I listen to music more, like, when I'm running, I always listen to I mean, to music. you're very musical. You play music. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, and I play, like, multiple instruments, too. <laughs> yeah. How did that start? Music? Did you just, yeah, did you just have, like, growing up? Did you have No, my parents were into around? music. Well, my, actually, my dad was, but secretly, because like, they never played music in my home. But then I would discover, like, my dad's records. Like, I remember he had this, like, Donna Summer record. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that. <laughs> so he was, like, into Donna Summer. He was into all these, like, Motown bands. Yeah. You know, like, Temptation and the Four Tops. Like, so I just remember, like, going through his record collection. Like, Did you this, ask him? Like, Dad, what? He no, it's funny. Tell my, me about these. My dad was always, like, just very distant, very typical Asian dad. Uh, yeah, they're not helping out the Asian parent stereotype. <laughs> of, like, <laughs> well, 
<laughs> no music. Yeah, pretty Kind of removed, removed but, uh, and then you've got to be a doctor, or you've got to yeah, get a, that like, job. But, you know, but I found, you know, my dad's Donna Summer record. Yeah, so there's... <laughs> I never heard him, like, listen to, and so I listened to it on my own, and I'm like, oh my god, this is... Aw-. I was, like, like six years old at the time, so I, I loved it, um, and so I just remember bringing it into school, because in music class, like, you're allowed to, like, you know, yeah, bring yeah. a music leg, and your teacher would play it, so, like, you remember playing it, and I was like you know, like, into it, but I don't think our students were. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, like, all that mining I was trying to dig for, like, where your aesthetic and your sensibilities come from is, mm-hmm. could have been answered in one single record. I guess so. <laughs> Donna Summer. Yeah, Donna Summer, and then who else was I into? I mean, just, like, 80s pop, like, uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah, Donna, Thriller was know, huge for... All those, but uh, I remember, yeah, Donna Summer, that was definitely boom. I remember, like, Oh, yeah, finding my dad's Beatles records, like, mm-hmm. when I was 10. And I'm like, holy shit, this is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so but you never heard him listening to it? What? He, You never heard him no, listening to it? No, I never heard it? him listening to it. He must have been, I guess, maybe listening on his headphones occasionally. Was there a record player? Like, you guys had a record yeah, player? Yeah, he had a whole, like, sound system. He also worked a lot, too, so I don't remember What him. did your parents do? Uh, well, my mom, like, stayed at home. I mean, she worked for a little bit, like, with my dad, um, I guess, before I was six. But then, you know, mm-hmm. when I was six, she said I stayed at home. My dad was like self-made like entrepreneur um he had a lot of different businesses like he he started off um with a couple of like wholesale jewelry stores like Mm -hmm. in the city and then that expanded to other stores you know all the stores on broadway that sell a whole bunch of stuff like toys and stuff Um, so he had a bunch of and he invested in a lot of property um but yeah no i actually have a very like interesting backstory because my dad eventually had a foreign investment business but uh he got in trouble with that mm-hmm. um he's actually running like a ponzi scheme so he he went to prison for Whoa. five years yeah that was um how old were you uh i mean the trial was going on when i was in high school so that was from i don't know sometime i think between 92 94 and then um yeah and then he left for oh actually no i think it was during maybe high school no, maybe during college when the trial was happening so in like 94 98 so mm-hmm. he didn't go to prison until um it was 99 i remember he left in 99 and then um yeah and then yeah so he was he was just gone like for five years and then he was released actually like right before my yale graduation so mm-hmm. that was like 2004 so wow yeah, that think, must have been a little crazy yeah it was that. it was pretty crazy um i mean i i grew up you know like we were like upper middle class family. i mean i guess like we had more money than i realized but um I just I didn't know at the time because of the way we were raised like we you know we weren't spoiled um but yeah I mean when, you know when that happened my dad like we lost everything like lost our house yeah. cars and then I uh, had to move into this tiny home um you know that we were renting so like you know my dad lost all the property owned like it was it was pretty insane it was like very very extreme like it flipped everything just totally like that. um I was lucky though like you know since I was in college at the time um you know I got a really good financial aid package so mm-hmm. I had most of my college paid for and yeah. then, you know I, I paid for the rest just by working yeah yeah so. yeah that's yeah, pretty that's crazy a, that's a crazy backstory yeah <laughs> so well the the next logical question is and you well you grew up did you say you grew up uh, christian christian yeah okay um yeah my you know my parents um a lot of koreans are very christian yeah, yeah so we koreans. went to a big korean church neighborhood um i mean i actually got i became really religious um my parents sent me to christian camp they sent me to christian camp this was right before high school. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I went to Christian camp for a week. Because, you know, I told you, I went through, like, my heavy metal phase. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of rebellious at the time. So, like, they're like, we're sending you to Christian camp. Um, but then I became <laughs> born again. Uh-huh. So, um... I, I sh- I Wait, think, at what age were you born again? Oh, uh, like, 14. That's... Is that really... Cons- <laughs> is that really qualify as born again? Yeah, I mean, because... I don't know, the Christian camp I went to, like, all these other people, like, had been born again since they were, like, five or six. I mean, they grew up in these very religious yeah. families. Uh, I don't know, it's it very interesting and crazy culture. So I went there and, um, yeah, I don't know, it was, like, pretty nuts because I remember, like, you know, it's it's like other camps, like, you know, there's, like, a campfire, except you're not just singing songs on a campfire. Like, they say, oh, like, hell is, like, hotter than this campfire. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, mm-hmm. you're going to end up in the fire. In the fire. So, um... Subtle Christian. <laughs> yeah, so I remember kind of being, like, scared into it. Um, so, yeah, I became born again... And, uh, yeah, that was, like, when I was 14. And, I don't know, I think, like, it didn't really affect me that much. I mean, actually, I don't know, I think, in a way, it was good for me. I just, I don't know, kind of, like, it was kind of nice just feeling like, oh, God loves you. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, giving you, like, hope. Um, so, but I don't think it really affected me that much, like, for the following year until, 
between ninth and 10th grade, then my parents decided to send me for three weeks. And mm -hmm. that's when it really affected me. Like, I just, I, I feel like I got brainwashed and I was convinced to give up uh, secular music and dances. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I went through a phase. Um, for no booty-based records. <laughs> no, so for the next two years, like, um, 10th and 11th grade, I actually didn't listen to any music. I, I, only Christian music, like, on the radio. Wait, you could have listened to Striper. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I did listen to Striper, but it's not very good. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, it's Jesus Rock. At least you could go see a rock yeah. and roll show and get Bibles thrown at you. I know. Um, no, I, I remember always just like trying to hunt for good Christian music, or good Christian. I'm like, no, none of this stuff is good. Oh, it's better off not listening to anything. So yeah, I kind of went through this very extreme phase for two years of mm -hmm. not listening to music or going to dances. Which did is that tough. affect high school, or were you with a it, lot of? It did. Um, it like, did and it didn't. People. I mean, I think just I don't know. It kind of like suck for me because I just felt like you know because of my background like I you know like I always love music like I love dancing and I felt like I had to give up something that was so important to me but mm -hmm. by the end of my time at Christian camp I just I just just convinced that this is the best thing to do yeah um so yeah I mean I feel like I don't know I think I just kind of got buried into my studies and I had a lot of friends and also um you know, a lot of my friends were also, like, Korean and Christian. I mean, maybe, like, not as extreme in giving these things up. Right, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, didn't, I don't think it affected things too bad. Also, my parents were pretty strict, too, so they didn't really let me go out that much. Um, but I did start to rebel, I guess, like, 11th or 12th grade when I realized, you know what, this is not for me. And even though my parents were strict and wouldn't let me, like, go out very much, like, once my friends started driving, because my parents, like, wouldn't let me get a license until I was, like, 18, I would just leave with them, and then I just started going city and going clubbing and staying out all night. So I just, <laughs> so I just went through this extreme rebellion and just stopped listening to parents. And then you know, I also realized, yeah, definitely by senior year, like, no, like this culture is not for me. Yeah. And um, I was making different friends too because yeah, there was a period of time I only hung out with other Koreans. I mean, that's how it was mm -hmm. in my high school. But then I realized, um, you know, in twelfth grade when I started hanging out with the weirdos, like. No, this is a group that I feel more comfortable with. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, so you abandoned that completely. <laughs> so you've been agnostic since then. Or? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I spiritual spirituality is important to me, but you yeah, know, just um, just not religion. Not dictated by. Certain, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally yeah. understand. So that was leading up to the big question was going to be, what do your parents think of your work now? Like if they are, so they yeah. Know. No, it's funny. Um, they don't really look at it very much. They're not. I mean, I don't. I don't really tell them <laughs> about my shows. My mom. My mom lives in Korea now. She's been in Korea for the past ten years. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not very. You know, in touch with her. We, we kind of have a strange relationship. Um, I mean, I think she's looked up my work on my website before. I mean, she mentioned maybe a few years ago, and she was just like, "Oh, it's cool," but um. They don't really know how to engage with my yeah. work. Yeah. yeah, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't really tell my dad about my work. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's they interesting. They wouldn't get it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, do you go to Korea ever? Or do you have you visited? No, I haven't gone since I was seventeen. I, I mean, we used to go as a family, um, maybe like every other summer when yeah. I was a kid. So I've so I've been a few times, but but yeah, now I haven't gone in a long time. But I, I'd like to. Would you ever like to show your work there? Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I don't know if um. If Koreans would like it, <laughs> they, they, you know, I, mean, I feel like my kind of work. That's yeah, why it would be know. so awesome to have a show there. Yeah, it would it's be cool. Not, yeah, but wouldn't. this is definitely not the kind of work that Koreans like. I mean, in, in general. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they like they like more like conceptual work or more like tame like abstract kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Something like cleaner, polished, kind of straight lines yeah i think this work might be maybe like too american for them i don't know f it's <laughs> funky in a good way i yeah. think right <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> no i like it's it's got kind of it's funny every time i see that kind of material for some reason it like bootsy collins in parliament like pops oh, yeah, into yeah. my mind <laughs> yeah, because yeah, of the, the star glasses of bootsy collins yeah. and just there's like that kind of show you know what i mean there's mm -hmm. like a performative like these, it's almost like these things are performing yeah in a way. they're very they're very glam like yeah. i said like i feel like definitely really and funky to, like, and like drag fun. queen culture yeah um or like figure skating yeah <laughs> <laughs> a lot of different associations with the metallic spandex right yeah. yeah it's it's pretty it's really interesting and it's super like original like it doesn't it has its own feel to it and its own look and it's really engaging 
Thank you. So what do you have, um, what's coming up for you? Um, I have a few group shows coming up, um, as well as a solo show. Um, let's see. So I actually have a group show opening up tomorrow night mm-hmm. um, at Ite Gallery. Mm-hmm. It's a show curated by Mark Joshua Epstein. Um, it's based on, you know, Richard Serra's iconic action verb list. Yeah. So, um, so like each artist, show, I guess there are like 27 of us, uh, was assigned a verb. Mm-hmm. So mine was to droop. <laughs> so, you know, the work fits the description of uh-huh. the verb. Yeah, so that's tomorrow night. And then I saw that you're also in that show in Eddie's room in October. Oh, yeah. We yeah. are doing that. Um, so that's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I like what um, Austin is doing. I think it's so cool to, like, show work in the closet. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's great. I have that. And then um, and then I was just asked to be in a group show at a new gallery called Selena Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in Bushwick. That's run by these two young women, um, Anjali Rathad. I'm probably butchering last name. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Anjali. Um, and Olivia Swider. So mm-hmm. that's happening in November. And then I have a solo show, co- solo show coming up. Um, at Platform Gallery, um, Baltimore. Nice. That's run by a couple of young artists, um, Lydia Pettit and Abby Parrish. And yeah, they came to my studio just a few weeks ago. And, uh-huh. um, they're great. Just a lot of like great energy and vibes. And, really and I smart. love Baltimore too. Oh yeah, I haven't been in a while, but um, I feel like when I've been bringing the show, people are like, oh yeah, Baltimore's awesome. And it seems like there are a lot of cool art happenings now. Yeah, it's got a. I mean, it's got Micah. It's got a great, you know, education scene mm-hmm. there. And then. I just love the harbor, and then they have the Outsider Museum there. It's incredible. Yeah, have you? Do you know about that? No, but I want to check it out. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's right off the harbor, and it's Mm -hmm. there's a huge collection of outsider art that's pretty amazing. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I've always been interested in outsider art. That's cool. All right. Well, thanks so much yeah, for letting me you. come over and chatting all this time. <laughs> and uh, so people can go to your website, check out your stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is your I'm um, your name. Yeah, yeah, Hanko.com. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you.